So today, I'm going to uh, be trying to put together for you maybe one of the more complicated sermons I've done since I've been here. So I need all of you, if you're here, to recognize I might really need you to help me and really concentrate today because I'm going to try to make brownies out of about 40 different ingredients. And right now, they're going to be, in a few minutes, they're going to be scattered all over the stage. And it's going to look, where is he going with this? But it's a very deep concept but it's an exciting concept that I think we need to grab hold of in our understanding of Scripture. By the way, I'm Joe Davis. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at the Garden. And uh, today we're talking about Abraham. And so if I had to title today, it would be called A Promise is a Promise. A look at the covenant, which Abraham, with the, at the covenant with Abraham that God made with Abraham <clears throat> and how it applies to us. Let's read the passage in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The call of Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country to your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whom who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And what we see throughout Scripture is that God deals with His people primarily one way. Through covenants. Promises. And studying and understanding these covenants, their scope, who they apply to, how they are applied to His people, is something that we call covenant theology. Covenant theology basically says that all throughout Scripture, God deals with His people through covenants. He made one with Adam. He made one with Noah. He made one with Moses. He made one with Abraham. He made one with David. He made one with Solomon. And He's made one with us. It is the way that God interacts with His chosen people since before the foundation of the world. By the way, do a, do a phrase search sometime on the idea of the foundation of the world in the Scripture. It'll blow your mind. But our focus today is going to be narrowed in and laser-beamed on God's specific covenant with Abraham. Because I feel like many times... Many of us, as Christians, we really struggle to understand the relationship between the church and Israel. And by Israel, I mean the ethnic people Israel, the nation Israel. There's much confusion about who Israel really is, what role they have to play, and what this promise to Abraham was made for in the first place. Today I hope to show you that God has a much bigger, broader plan for the covenant with Abraham than many people realize. It's a plan that has nothing, guys. His plan with the covenant with Abraham had nothing to do with ethnicity. What race you were born in. Nothing. It has everything to do with the gift of faith. The covenant with Abraham is inexplicably tied all throughout Scripture to the gift of faith. 
So let's look at another passage. You got the idea of right this. You know, you're going to be a blessing to all nations. Um, <clears throat> I will show you the land. Um, you got all that stuff, right? <coughs> Watch this. <coughs> now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw him, they worshipped him. Some doubted. But Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you notice some similarity in some of the names and the wording in here between these two covenants? The second one we read is what we call the Great Commission. In reality, the Great Commission is the same as the covenant with Abraham. It's the same covenant. It's the same promise. It is, in fact, a parallel passage, and we have a lot of proof text that we're going to give to you this morning. Now, remember I told you there's going to be a lot of information today, so really try to track with me. But I think at the end, if you, if you put forth the effort to stay with me the next 20, 25 minutes, it's going to be worth it. Let's look at another passage. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9-10. through 10. Remember what he said to, to Abraham the first time? I'm going to make you a great nation. That's what he said. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Do you see how this passage kind of ties the first one? I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to bless all nations. And then in the Great Commission, he says, I'm going to give you power, and you're going to proclaim the gospel. You will proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's not talking about just people born Jewish. He's talking about anyone and everyone who receives mercy and grace and forgiveness through the work of Jesus Christ who calls you out of darkness into light. Clearly, this passage from Peter explains that Gentiles are fully a part of God's plan in every way without deficiency due to the fact that they weren't born Jewish. <clears throat> Guys, the church is not God's second plan, plan B. A lot of people look at it that way. Well, he really loved Israel... And he made a covenant with Israel, and Israel didn't keep its end of the bargain, so now he says, okay, now I'll let Gentiles in to fill in the gap. Wrong. Wrong. Believing Israel is very special. But it's special because it's part of the greater church, which is the apple of God's eye. Let's look at another passage. This goes to show you that it's not a second chance thing. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel, in other words, not all who are born Jewish, belong to Israel. Maybe that means we have the wrong definition of Israel. And not all the children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. But through Isaac 
shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. What promise is that? The promise to Abraham. Clearly, this passage teaches us that we Gentiles are not part of God's people because of some sort of second choice or because ethnic Jews fail to be faithful. That's kind of mean-sounding, isn't it? Well, you guys didn't do it very well, so God brought us along. No, God brought us all along together. See, the church doesn't replace Israel. The church is Israel. God's design, he says it in the promise to Abraham, and he said it in the Great Commission, did he not? God's design was always to expand his people and to bring it to all nations and bring people from all nations into the fold just as he promised Abraham he would. So that kind of sets it up a little bit for you. That kind of gives you a foundation. We got some ingredients on the stage right now. We got some broken eggs with eggshells over here. And we got some chocolate syrup. We got a bowl and there's, there's powder all over the place and there's flour. So you guys see, I got my ingredients to make the brownies and they're scattered all over the place. But I hope you can see they really are ingredients. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a little bit of a Greek lesson today that I think is really going to clarify this for you. I'm going to read this passage first. Galatians 3, verses 5 through 9. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's kind of a nail in the coffin, isn't it? Well, when you look at the original text and the original language of this passage, particularly verse 9, it really is amazing. Here's the phrase I want you to go into, as we speak. Think, what does this mean when you hear the phrase, as we speak? As we speak. As we speak means happening right now, continually, as we speak. It didn't just happen. It isn't possibly just about to happen. It is happening as we speak. Watch this. So this verse 9, I put the Greek up there. I'm not going to read it to you. I'll read one word later. But basically, when you lay out the Greek of verse 9, it says, so then... Those of faith are blessed. And then the second part of the passage in verse 9, those Greek words mean along with the faithful Abraham. There are four words, or three words I want you to look at. The first one is this uh, pistuos, the one right above faith in the top. And then elugantai, which is right above are blessed. And then look at, see the one right below faith? See, what is that? See, like pisto, faithful. Pistoos and pistos. See those two words? They're very similar. And then you have the elegontai on the, on the very top on the, in there, the one that says are blessed. Those are the words we're going to focus on. It's interesting because the, the endings of this word up here in the top right-hand corner, ulegontai, it's very interesting. Those endings say that this 
has a tense that is present indicative. And what does present indicative mean? Present indicative simply means it's occurring right now, right here, at this very moment, as I write this, as I speak, Paul says, we are blessed. And so in reality, a more accurate translation could be those of faith, that's what pistos means, those of faith are being blessed. Along with the man of faith, Abraham. So you see here, the concept of the blessing of Abraham is not tied to whether or not he was Jewish. It was tied to whether or not he was believing, faithful. That word pistus and pisto, those mean faith, belief, faith, believing. And so, those who are believing are being blessed along with the believer, Abraham. So Abraham is currently being blessed as is we are currently right now in the present indicative mood being blessed just as Abraham was. Not because he's Jewish, not because we're Jewish, not because we're Gentiles, because we are people of faith. We are being blessed. That promise I first read you in the very first slide, that promise is being applied right here, right now, to us as recipients of God's gift of grace and faith and salvation through the one who called us out of darkness into light. So what does it mean for us? I mean, this looks great, right? You know, you know a little Greek and everything. We got the, the tense, so we understand what's happening right now. And I think I laid it out pretty clear for you that, that Israel is not Israel by blood. It's Israel by Faith, by rebirth, by the Spirit. I think that's pretty much undis undisputable. So the present indicative right now, it's happening at the time speaking. And what does it mean for us? Well, the promise of Abraham was, is, and will be ours. As we speak, that covenant with Abraham is ours. Matter of fact, he says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's in the Great Commission. That promise has gone nowhere. The second thing it means for us as Christians, we always have been his first choice. With all the benefits and with all the passion and not one drop, not one smidgen of regret or remorse, well, I guess I have to turn my face to the Gentiles now since the Jews didn't do it right. No, God's work with his people has always been about grace and mercy and forgiveness and compassion through the work of Christ, who the Scripture says was what? Slain before the foundation of the world. And so as we think through this process, it doesn't make sense for anybody to say, well, yeah, we're Christians, but God really loves Israel. That's silly. We are Israel. The name Israel means those who persevere with God. Those who are kept with God. So we understand 
that we have always been his first choice. Matter of fact, it says, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Nothing to do with ethnicity. Everything to do with who receives the promise. What else does it mean for us? Well, we have the responsibility of blessing all nations. Remember what he told Abraham? In you, all nations will be blessed. And in the Great Commission, what does he say? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You can clearly see how Peter and Paul go to great lengths to make perfectly clear, guys, perfectly clear that the covenant with Abraham applies directly to all of God's people equally, regardless of ethnicity. It's based upon faith, which, by the way, is described by Paul in another passage. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By the way, does that make us sound like second-class heaven citizens right there? So that in the coming ages, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And how are we accounted part of the promise? Is it by the blood? By the bloodline of how we're born? No, it's by how? Faith. By grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of our own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may brag. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should, and I've talked about this in the past, the scripture kind of says there in the original language, trip over. That we should walk into them. He saves us by his grace. He calls us out of darkness when we're dead in trespasses. We have no ability to please him at all. And he says, you are dead. I'm making you alive. I'm raising you up. I'm sitting you with me in heavenly places. I'm giving you power from the Holy Spirit. And I'm preparing things beforehand that you will walk into that are good works. <coughs> that without the promise, you would never have been able to accomplish. What kind of good works do you think he's talking about? Is it possible, guys? Is it possible that one of the good works is the Great Commission? Go therefore in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've showed you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is it possible that the Great Commission is tied to Ephesians 2, 10? Is it possible that one of the good works prayed beforehand is that we will fulfill this Assignment of the Great Commission? How can we even have these promises? I mean, how is it that us in our sinfulness and our darkness, <coughs> the same way Abraham did through Jesus, through faith, 
This Jesus that the Scripture teaches us was slain before the foundation of the world, his great and famous name, that is the name that is above all names, the name by which we call upon the name of the Lord, the name by which we are connected to Heavenly Father, to Abba, <coughs> the name by which we are adopted, the name by which we receive full inheritance of all the promises given to Abraham, that name, Jesus, that name is how we can receive these amazing promises. It is very clear the covenant with Abraham was about Jesus and the church, meaning all God's people. You will have a great seed, I'll make you a great nation, and through your seed all nations will be blessed. That is clearly a, pro a prophecy of Christ. So what do we do with this? The fact that we have this promise with Abraham, <coughs> we've been able to undeniably tie it to the Great Commission, and we've been able to undeniably tie both to the gift of faith, and we've been able to undeniably tie the fact that the Great Commission is a good work, which Paul says we were prepared to em embrace these good works and stumble into them. So what do we do with this? It's our job to live within the reality that this promise of God's presence, I am with you always, and his promise of our impact on the world, go and baptize all nations, is fully meant, guys, for us. His church, which he knew before the foundation of the world. See, when God was talking to Abraham, he wasn't just talking to him. He wasn't just talking to Jews. Yes, he was talking to them, but he was also talking to us. And if you're a child of God, he was talking to you. He was talking to me. And all the blessings of Abraham in their fullest capacity, from beginning to end, indeed belong to us in their fullest sense with no reservations. As we prepare.